we had 72. 72 out of 74 is a pretty good place to start. And that's uh, where yeah. most and that's where most of us when we feel stuck actually are. Most of us who live where you and I live, most men who live where I live, yeah. you're functioning with 74 72 out of 74 bricks. You're still at you know what is that 97%? Yeah. And you're so freaking hung up on your 3% that you're not being thankful for the 97. Start with the 72, bro. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started. A revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call, and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Hey, today on the Kindling Fire, I have a guest back on the show. It's been a minute since you've been here, uh, but Justin McRoberts is back. Last time we had a conversation, we talked about what church might look like next, and that was a pre-COVID conversation. And uh, and I'll just I'll just go ahead and go on the record and saying that was prophetic. <laughs> uh, yeah, looked like we were on to something then. Yeah, very much, very much. And uh, so I'm so glad uh, to have you back, Justin. Uh, I'm actually honored. Thanks for having me back. So, uh, so Justin, you are a true creative. You are a singer-songwriter. You are an author. You are a church planner. You are an artist. Uh, what else am I missing? Uh, obviously, <laughs> my, <laughs> what what else am I missing? Uh, that sounds like enough. Uh, we can we can we can lead from there. That feels really good. It's all about how you feel, Justin. I, I want to make sure this show is really comfortable for you. So I'm not going to ask you really awkward questions. <laughs> oh, good. Well, let's let's get to the awkward part then. Let's move on there. I'm ready for that. So, um, all right. I mean, let's just jump right in. Have you ever worn briefs? I did for a stretch of time. And it, um, like you talk, like the tidy ones. Yeah, um, the tidy whities. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did for a stretch of time. It was never my bag of chips. I went straight to boxers relatively early on in uh, my like when I got to choose and then I graduated to boxer briefs and then there's this sort of intermediary we have these kind of loose boxer briefs I'm it's a constantly evolving process for me yeah yeah well I mean and honestly and I think that that's a good segue into your book um, yes please <laughs> uh your book you just released a, a book it is what you make of it uh it in response to the phrase it is what it is uh, yes. which everybody has, has heard. And uh, in, uh, in talking with you and seeing a little bit about what your heart was behind the book, I knew that I had to have you on because, you know, Good. so many people, they don't have a great start. Like, you know, we're born into families, we're born into situations, we go through things, we don't choose a lot of those things. But then it, it can tr definitely shape us. Yes. Uh, but to really make progress to, or kind of make a pivot or make a change, there's a lot of times there's a lot of mindset changes that has to happen. So, yes. uh, so, so give us a, your heart a little bit about why you wrote it and a little bit about it. Um, I wrote it because, uh, you know, like you, I mean, I, I, I get, I, I care a lot about people and I talk to folks all time, all the time who feel stuck in some way, shape or form, whether it's in 
their career, uh, work life, entrepreneurship, some sort of like church job. Um, and I'm and the people I'm usually talking to are folks who are uh, resourced, people who are decently well off, who've really never you know missed a meal and have never wondered where you know they're going to live next month. And so it's been a bit of a trick to watch folks who have access to resources um, feel so stuck. And what I recognize is somewhere in uh, in our long term training. <laughs> culturally, uh, we bought this notion, this kind of it is what it is idea that like some things just are the way they are. But the more I pay attention, the more I have paid attention to life, I just realized that that's not true. And I wanted to write a book to help people get unstuck from a lot of the places they're stuck in. So so I want to go right at something that's just kind of jumping out at me. And that is the concept that, um, you know, some people believe in fate. And some people believe in, you know, uh, God, but sometimes those beliefs can result in the same thing, which is essentially, um, well, I mean, it, it, it is going to be what it is. It's kind of out of my control kind of viewpoint. Can you speak a little bit to that? Um, yeah. So a sense of powerlessness has more to do with who I am than it has to do with the thing I feel powerless against. In other words, I think they did, I think a better confession is to say, I feel powerless than to say it is what it is. In other words, I'm projecting when I, when I get into a, a place in which like there's something I wish was different and I can't make it all the way different. I tend to project. I tend to say, well, that thing is immovable as opposed to saying, I don't have the strength, the capacity, the wisdom, which is a confession of my weakness, which is a good place to start. That that notion, uh, the, the, when you know, in in the in Proverbs, uh, that you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Part of what it means to fear the Lord is to recognize your own limitations. When I say it is what it is, I project uh, my powerlessness onto the world around me, and I don't confess that I'm uh, that I'm incomplete or I'm uh, something along those lines. So, sure, there's stuff that's bigger than you, lots of it. But that's about how small and how big you are. That's not about the thing in and of itself. Yeah, it's almost like a, I mean, in listening to you, it's almost like a cop-out um, yes. it, where it's sort of like either I don't want to pay the cost or I don't want to go through the process to go from where I'm at to where I want to be. I just want it to kind of happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just sort of like, yeah, where in life does that happen? Like yeah. it just happens for you. Well, and, and, and it keeps us from, um, it keeps us from, uh, doing what we can do. Right. So, you know, we go to the scriptures here again and, and there's, there are the disciples looking at what, uh, you know, with a writer of the gospel of Matthew says was, was I think four or 5,000. I can't remember which one says four, or which one says five, but there's, you know, four or 5,000 men. Right. So if you count women and children, seven or 10,000 people, right? Yeah. So there's this massive crowd and they go to Jesus and they say, all these people are hungry. It is what it is. We need to send them away. Like they quit. They don't have enough. That's the place they're in. And yeah. what they don't expect is for God to do a thing. But this is the key for me in the moment is Jesus doesn't go watch. I got this. What Jesus says instead, it goes, you feed him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
at some point of the conversation, he asks them to take an account of what they really do have on hand. See, they weren't going to get to a full accounting, a right and sober accounting of what they do have on hand if they just say it is what it is. But Jesus says, no, 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 it isn't what it is. We're going to make something in this moment. Get involved. You feed them. Then they have to take an accounting of what they do have. And what they did have, they brought to God. And they said, this is what we've got. That's faith. That's real faith. It is faithless faithless to say it is what it is. It keeps me from living fully. It keeps me from stepping into faith because then I get to bring what I do have to God and watch miracles happen. I never get to the miracle if I stop it and it is what it is. Now, one of the things that I've seen or I know of you is you coach folks. And and I imagine yes. that the um, some of your folks that you're referring to as being resourced and feeling stuck yeah. might be some people you're coaching. Uh, the question I have for you is, do you, do you believe that people in general fear powerlessness? Yes. Uh, we don't like feeling powerless. Uh, for folks like you and I, I mean, I'm, I'm a straight white Christian male. Like, I'm just not used to that feeling that there's, that there's something I can't do. Hmm. Like, I'm, I'm just used to, I set myself all up all the time, and so does culture, the culture around me to feel strong and to feel powerful. I don't like feeling powerless. I don't like feeling overpowered. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, if I'm going to be involved in this divinely arch- uh, this divinely constructed story, I-, I have to come to places of powerlessness in order that grace might be the source of my life. So, so last week or a week ago, maybe a little bit more, I did a show called The Wisdom of Weakness. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was really grappling with was people don't have a biblical concept of the value of weakness. Yes. Um, you know, like, uh, like I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, if, if you got it 90% covered and you need God like 10%, how much are you going to yes. probably get 10%, yeah. right? And so now yeah. you've yeah. got 10% of the miraculous coming into your life, 90% you got covered. The weaker you get, that percentage of, quote, what you have covered keeps going down. Mm-hmm. And, and the opportunity for God to show himself as miraculous, powerful, strong, loving, all these things increases, you know, 20%, 50%, 70%. It gives yeah. him more room. And, but we fight against that, 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 that whole thing, yep. <laughs> you know? Um, yep. Yeah. Anyway, so, all right. So, so from what I could tell from the book, uh, it sounds like you had some stories in the book that kind of exemplify some of the stuff that you were wanting to to share. Do, do you have yeah, something you want to share? Yeah, so this is one that actually rhymes with what you're doing with your book. So my, my I've got an 11-year-old boy. Um, and his name is Asa. He just turned 11 in June. Cool name. He's, I, I like it. And um, we, this is a number of years ago. He's, five, I think, five, four or five at the time of the story. We had ordered a Lego kit. Um one of the, it was called the desert rally racer. And once in a while, Lego will send you a box of a box kit that doesn't have all the necessary Legos in it. Like it doesn't happen very often, but once in a while you'll get a kit that's missing some bricks. We got to the point in the making of this thing that in which we, we recognized like we were missing bricks. And the first thing we do is we think like we must've lost them, but no, like we just weren't handed all the materials we needed. So we can't get from here to there. That's what we recognize is like without these bricks, we can't go from the disassembled thing in the little plastic baggies yeah. to the thing that, you know, the way it looks on the box. Yeah. 
So a couple of things happened. One is my son at the time, uh, he gets up and walks to the kitchen, gets himself a, a glass of water, and he goes and sits down like by the window and just cause he's just, like staring outside the window, just being sad. Which like at first I was like, oh, well, you know, bummer, come on, kiddo, it's not that big a deal. But <laughs> there's some wisdom in there, and the wisdom uh, is um, <laughs> if I don't give sadness its moment when things don't go well. If I don't give disappointment its moment when things don't go well, uh, sadness and disappointment will steal that moment from other places. So if I don't give myself a moment to be like, this actually sucks right now, whether that's in fatherhood or in any other area of my life, like if I just kind of drive through like, oh, not a big deal and bury it, it'll just come back at some point and it'll take that, it'll take its moment from another moment that I would like to hold on to enjoy. Yeah. So yeah. my son takes this moment, gets sad. I take it with him and I'll let the sadness sink in for a minute. And then I start rummaging around old bricks and finding bricks that are like roughly the same size and same color. And we start tinkering around, um, like with the stuff we have on hand, it's, which does not fit perfectly. Right. Um, and, um, she, like my son, like he, he starts getting involved in like the, the building process and the T and I kind of tinkering and messing around. And at the end of this process, like it, it's not the, it's not the desert rally racer. Like it doesn't look like that. It looks almost nothing like that. There are kind of elements of it. It is this other thing. It's like the, the McRoberts truckish spaceship thing. And it's better. Because it looks like he and I did it. Like it looks like us, which was the whole point. The whole point of doing the Legos together was for he and I to journey together. It was never to do it right. Part of what I want to get to with the book is like, if, if I stop with it is what it is, I don't get to enter into the journey with other people. You know, part, like, you know, the, you just said like more, one of the gifts of weakness is like, I have to invite other folks into my life in my places of weakness. Well, you're supposed to like, like your life is just better lived with other people. I offer people opportunities to share in my strengths. I have to share in my weaknesses, but with their strengths. So that's, that's one of the stories that's sort of a hallmark of the book is we came up against this moment in which like, no, we weren't going to be able to, to do the thing the way it's supposed to be done. Hmm. Got to do it in a way that was more revealing of and celebratory of who we are. And I think that's actually what it looks like to live the life we're designed to. Yeah. All I can think of is, is people looking at the Lego box and kind of getting to the point where like, I'm not going to be able to achieve this, this picture on this box. Right. And yeah. with, and there is no picture of the McRoberts space shuttle, you know, no wonder thing. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist no. until you create it. And uh, yes. And, and that's, again, let's, let's take that. Let's take a moment there. Um, it, it didn't exist. It doesn't exist until we create it. Does, doesn't that sound more like God than mm -hmm. to say we did it right. Right. As a human being, um, what I generally mean when I say I did it right is that I did it the way other people have done it before me. Yes, very much. That's, that's more machine-like. That's how machines do things. Machines look at the blueprint and they do things and they execute according to that. Humans create like God. 
we say like this isn't what we this is what you know this is this is this is not going to go the way it was supposed to so what are we going to make we look more like god when we take the things we have around us and we create things that, like our expressions of our inner person and of our relationships it didn't exist until we made it that just <laughs> that's because that's what it looks like to be human yeah you know one of the journeys that i've had uh in my life is is feeling like a victim when i shouldn't um yeah man yeah so sort of like um giving myself room to feel sorry for myself or like like i'm a victim of my, of my own life and and thankfully i don't live there but mm. but i've met former me's <laughs> you know and yeah, you're yeah. just like it's like <laughs> i i i don't know i'm a little speechless but i just want to be like you are not a victim of your own life no but no, have you, you there's agency have you there's agency that? and opportunity there, all the time and again this is where the book comes from is there there's agency and opportunity available to you yes that's probably broken yes you are not where you're supposed to be or where you want supposed to is not the word there yes you are not where you want to be and no you haven't used your time as well as you can. absolutely you feel stuck that's fine that's a feeling but you're not i mean part of the part of the trick in this story is we had you know, of the of the 74 bricks required, we had 72. 72 out of 74 is a pretty good place to start. And that's uh, where yeah. most and that's where most of us when we feel stuck actually are. Most of us who live where you and I live, most men who live where I live, yeah. you're functioning with 74 72 out of 74 bricks. You're still at you know, what is that, 97%? Yeah. And you're so freaking hung up on your 3% that you're not being thankful for the 97. Start with the 72, bro. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, at the tail end of the ministry life of Jesus, I mean, he had a brother just like totally, totally screw him over. And then like here are the disciples in the book of Acts looking around and Jesus's plan was 12. That's what he had. He picked 12. Yeah. Well, there they are with 11. They're at 11 out of 12, which is 92%. I did better with my Legos. It's nine, they're functioning with 92% of the plan and Jesus isn't there in the room with them. And what they decide to do is instead of being like, dang it, we're victims, like the machine got one of us, it'll get the rest of us, and religiosity stole the day. Like instead of settling into that moment, be like, it is what it is, they're like, okay, we need to fill this spot. How are we gonna do that? And so they pared it down. They're like, well, who's been around? Who's seen the resurrection? And they got it down to like two dudes and they couldn't pick between the two dudes. And instead of being like, dang it, we don't know how to select. They drew straws, like legit flipped a coin. Like it's Matthias, welcome to the club. Like they took the moment and they did what they could do with it. Yeah, uh, I, I, They weren't love, victims, they had an opportunity. Yeah, and I love the freedom of that. Cause uh, at least in, again, uh, kind of former, former self here, I was so afraid of missing God's will. Right. Oh my gosh. Should we, should we flip the coin? Oh my gosh. Is this the right way? Oh my gosh. How are we going to get the 12? Oh my gosh. It's like, I would get so yeah. stuck in the right way. Yes. And they just did what they did. They casting lots was a thing, you yeah, know, they flipped and, the and, uh, so that's a great example, man. So, so I got a question. Last question for you is so for, for the readers that would consider getting your book, sure. um, it, what would you hope for them? I mean, you, you have put yeah. your heart into this. Like, yeah. what would you, man, I, my dream for a reader that would read this would be blah, right? Or yeah. what they would get out of it. 
Uh, I would really love for readers to come to the end of this book or be in the middle of this book at any point in any of these stories. There are 15 stories from different facets of my life from early childhood through like I've been doing, I'm making art for 25 years. Um, uh, I would want them to take a really good, hard, sober look around their own lives to dig into the, the passions and desires they've maybe even quit on because they felt like they couldn't get where they wanted to go mm. and start actually like taking some small steps. Most of these are not stories that are like they're big fat stories. Literally, it's like me and my, me and my son on the floor of Legos or it's me in a broken relationship with a friend across town. It's not like, you know, this is not like me building a skyscraper. I don't, I don't have those stories. These are not mountaintop stories. It's like, this is just what it looks like to live a life and decide that I'm not gonna settle and not settling means like, yeah, I'm going to sell my house and make tons of money and go buy an island. No, not settling just means like in this moment I'm in, I'm going to make everything I can of it. Mm. I would want readers to come to that moment and they look around their own lives and think, I have got more resource and, uh, and ability and access than I've been giving myself credit for. And I should work harder to make something with my life. Yeah. Amen. So the book is called It Is What You Make of It. And uh, I'm so glad that you, uh, you've come on the show and that you are giving people something that, that's tangible, that's real. You know, uh, it's your life. It's your decisions. You know, you, nobody wants to get, be stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And you're offering, right? And, and I'm just, it's, it's generous, man. Keep doing it. Thanks, man. My pleasure. All right. Thanks for coming Happy on. Happy to. You got it, dude. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on the Kindling Fire, just go to Instagram and you can just search my name, Troy Mangum, or the Kindling Fire and you will find our page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're doing video podcasts as well. Okay, guys, go and be awesome.